0: Bibles, please, to Psalm 25. We'll read 25, 26, and 27. Psalm 25, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God, a psalm of David. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, Let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. "'Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. "'Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. "'The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. "'Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. "'Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with a cruel hatred.' Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in Thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on Thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all His troubles. Psalm 26, a psalm of David <clears throat> Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy lovingkindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord." that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. "'Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. "'Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, "'for false witnesses are risen up against me, "'and such as breathe out cruelty. "'I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord "'in the land of the living. "'Wait on the Lord, be of good courage.' And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. So perhaps condensing these three psalms together, there are several themes that run through all three of them, or at least two of them and are maybe obliquely mentioned in the third. But I think that these three psalms have several things in common. The first thing that I think we would all note that they have in common is their appreciation expressed for the public worship of God. I think all three of the Psalms make that known. Um, There is a wonderful uh, appreciation that is set forth here. It is a privilege, beloved. It's a privilege to be able to enter into the tabernacles of the Lord's house, to offer up the sacrifices of praise, the fruit of our lips, making mention or confessing, to his name. These are wonderful things that, that uh, we are privileged to partake of and as an added bonus, we, we will remember that there is an entire uh, section of the world that never does so. There are people that live almost their whole lives or perhaps their whole lives without ever quote darkening the door of a church without ever coming in to the, to the worship of God and offering not just their, their voice, not just their thoughts, but offering themselves as living sacrifices to the Lord. Remember that we call it a worship service for a reason. Somebody's being served. Who is it? It's God that's being served. And so we come from our homes, even on a cold day like today, to serve Him. Um. People all throughout this world ask themselves, you know, devout and well meaning people ask themselves, what can I do for God? How can I serve Him? Right here, this is the way. The Lord has commanded us to serve Him in these ways to sing to Him, to give our voices to Him, to unite our hearts together in prayer to Him, to approach Him in the preaching of the word, in the administration of the sacraments, in these very public ordinances to come and to serve him. That's how we serve him. We serve him by worshiping him. This is why when the Reformation takes place, we would think that that the primary thing in the minds of the reformers was the gospel. It's been perverted. Nope. The primary thing is how we serve God. That's how Calvin puts it in his necessity of reforming the church. The primary thing that we're after, Calvin will say, and he says the same to the King of Francis, or the King of France, King Francis. He will say, what we need is to sanctify our worship to God, our service of Him. The gospel, beloved, is extremely important. And the reason it's important is because it brings worshipers, servers to God. So that's the first point that all three of these psalms have in common. The second point is the humility of the uh, psalmist himself, David. And that humility is played out in several different ways. Uh, He talks about his sins. He talks about his defilement. He talks about his need for forgiveness and the mercy of God. You're going to say, well, pastor, he talks about his integrity, too, and all of that. We'll get to that in a moment. We want to put that in its proper context. But David also does not deny that he is a sinner in need of a Savior. It is not his integrity that causes him to stand before the Lord. It's the Lord's mercy that causes him to stand. So let's remember that as well. Um, He will confess his sin. He will, he will, uh, uh, he will, notice verse 13 of the last Psalm 27, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is, I wouldn't be living at all. It is, it is by the goodness of the Lord that I go on living. And so David's humility comes through. The third thing, let's go ahead and talk about his integrity. Uh, let's put that in its proper context, however. Notice that David, right after he talks about his integrity and his faith or trust in the Lord, then he will say, examine me and prove me. Try my reins and heart. And so David opens himself completely to the Lord. The reins, that's the the deepest and richest part of a human being in the ancient Hebrew mindset. Whatever is in my depths, Lord, try that. Don't stop at the surface. Go to the very bottom, if you will. <clears throat> Notice also that a part of that integrity that David talks about is some of his outward behavior with regard to his associations. And beloved, if we will be people of integrity, we must watch our associations. Notice what he says in the first, uh, sorry, the second Psalm 26. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers, liars, I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. And so there is a uh, there's a there's a particular understanding that David maintains pertaining to his associations. And this is a part of his quote integrity. Um, if David was in himself upright, it wouldn't matter who he hung out with. Let's make sure we get that. Right, that our Lord Jesus Christ could be in the same room with all kinds of people, as a matter of fact, was accused of doing so, and yet was unaffected. He was alone with Satan and never fell. He, uh, Jesus will say to his disciples, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. David couldn't say that. In the very next verse, David says, I will wash my hands. What is washing? I'm I'm in need of cleansing. I will wash my hands in innocency. That is, I will wash my hands unto innocency. I'll apply the cleansing of the Lord. I'll be about those means of grace. The other thing that is, I think, replete throughout these psalms is that David asks He places himself before the Lord and asks, O Lord, please, teach me. Teach me. And so what does David recognize and what ought we all to recognize? We ought all to recognize our natural ignorance of the things of God. We don't know, beloved. There are... Well, the human condition is such. Let me say it that way. The human condition is such that we are uh, sinfully about trusting our intuitions. Aren't we? Fallen and corrupted as they are. We have this tendency to trust our intuitions. Right? To trust my gut is how we often put it. David recognizes that especially in the things of God, trusting our gut is a very bad thing. It's a very, very bad thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul will tell us that trusting our gut lands us at the feet of an idol worshiping the God of our own making. Right? Because in our natural state, we do not like to retain God, the knowledge of God. We do not like that God that is. We come into this world haters of him. And so instead of acknowledging him, what do we do? We make up a God. And so David asks over and again, teach me. Teach me. Teach me. And then how? How are we taught? Well, these Psalms are also very clear that this this teaching that we're talking about comes by God's word and spirit. It is the Bible that we must use. be taught it is the scripture that god has given to us in our day and age no longer any inspired apostles and prophets but we have their word we have their word that the lord has seen fit to preserve for us whole and entire without error and in having that we have that source of teaching he's also given to us uh we'll return to the first point the public worship David often couples in these psalms, teaching and the public worship together. Why? Because God has not only given us his word, but he's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so on. He's told us that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Right? So all of these things are are, I think, open and clear throughout these three psalms. There's something else that I wanted to focus on before we bring our time to an end here. Notice in Psalm 25, verse 6. Three times David says, Remember, O Lord. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have... They have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. A threefold remembrance there that David calls upon the Lord to remember. Well, of course, the Lord never forgets anything, does he? This is not a prayer that is uh, imperiled, if you will. This is David affirming that the Lord will indeed remember him mercifully. That the Lord will indeed remember not his sins against him. And that the Lord will indeed uh, remember him according to his own goodness. The goodness of God. Beloved, these are wonderful things. And things that I would encourage you to make use of in your own prayers. That we Call upon the name of the Lord to remember us mercifully. Not to forget his tender mercies toward us. And notice how we have this this remember, O Lord. And notice it's L-O-R-D caps. That is that David does not say remember, O God, or remember, O Master. But remember, O covenant-keeping, promise-honoring, Lord. Right, Jehovah. And it is that same Jehovah that he calls upon when he asks the Lord for his mercy that he will say, judge me, O Jehovah, covenant-keeping, promise-honoring God, for I have walked in mine integrity. One final word on that. We'll return to that because it is so often misunderstood. There are those who would look at Psalm 26 and they would say, well that obviously is not written of any human being there is no integrity that ever accrues to us in the sight of god i want to make sure we understand that, that this principle that there is in scripture often a twofold use of the word say integrity or my uprightness or something like that it reminds us of two things the first thing it reminds us of is the absolute Purity and perfection of Christ. And this is when we sing with one eye on David and one eye on Christ. Where David would, as Edwards puts it, personate Christ. He, Christ is the only one who is truly the possessor of any kind of integrity before God. Okay, so we understand that. We understand that that, um, that the, you know, when we when we ask the Lord to To judge us according to our righteousness. It's not our righteousness that he's judging. It's the righteousness of Christ. We we get that and we understand that. But beloved, there is also this wonderful doctrine of what we would call union with Christ. And when we talk about union with Christ, we are not only talking about union with Christ in our justification. We're talking about union with Christ in our sanctification as well such that those who belong to Christ are justified by faith alone in Christ. But again, we're going to drop the other shoe and make the distinction which is often lost upon modern-day Christians. And that is that when we speak of justification by faith alone, we might then also speak of salvation, but salvation is different from justification. Remember when we were studying this a few Months back, we said that, that sometimes we will say that we're saved by faith alone. Well, there's a sense in which we can say that. But there's also another sense in which we will say the faith that saves is never alone, is it? That our union with Christ draws us into a human sort of integrity. A human sort of of uprightness that is more general, certainly not absolute, never perfect, but true and real nonetheless, for Christ Jesus' sake, by the power of His Spirit, not from anything in us. And so there is a competent confession that belongs even to the people of God, of integrity, of uprightness, even of holiness, if we understand it in its proper context. And that, beloved, is what the writer in Hebrews 12 means when he says that without that holiness no man shall see the Lord. And so we want to be very careful when we say that we're saved by faith alone. We're certainly justified by faith alone. But the faith by which we are justified always works itself out in some kind of uprightness, good works, sanctification without which no man shall see The Lord. Everybody got that? That's a really fine but necessary point to keep in mind. And when we come across words like integrity and uprightness in this Psalter, we want to put one eye on David, one eye on Christ. And remember that those words integrity, uprightness, holiness, etc., that they are indeed applicable to David and to Christ in their respective contexts. Okay? All right. With that then let's stand.